the volume. Moneyline Monaco is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. This is why I love betting on the FanDuel Sportsbook. There's great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, college basketball, and so much more. There's amazing new and existing user promotions. It's America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings if you want to cash out in as fast as two hours and how fun is it to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in presented by FanDuel on that homepage if you are new just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now sign up with promo code Monaco so they know I sent you disclaimer 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming. Welcome into another episode of Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco. Alex Monaco bringing back the college basketball sharp. Michael Calabrese of the Big Bets on Campus podcast via Action Network. Michael, how we doing? How's the bracket? How are you? I've survived betting against St. Peter's not once but twice. So maybe (laughs) I'm all the stronger for it. Let's see if we can make it three in a row fading the Peacocks. I love it. All right, let's get in. We're going to go in chronological order for our listeners of the slate, and we kick it off on Thursday. This is going to be one of the bigger spreads. We got Arkansas getting plus nine and a half on our home book fan duel going against the number one overall seed Gonzaga. We know the Razorbacks are a good cover as an underdog, but they're going against the number one offense in the country. And Number one in points differential from offense to defense, Michael. How are you looking at this one? So just real quick to kind of set the stage, you know, big money has rolled in already on the under. 24% of the bets overall are on under, but 65% of the handle. So that really shows to you that's a sharp indicator that people are playing this under. And it kind of makes sense. You know, when Gonzaga's played non-conference games this year, when you include tournament play, eight of the 15 games have gone under. But I don't care about that. What I care about is what happens when they play against up-tempo teams. And by that, I mean really anybody in the top 75 in terms of tempo. Alabama, they blew past the number by nine. Bama was 11th in tempo. Memphis, you know, in their last game, 50th in tempo, goes over the total, closing number by six. And then when you look into West Coast Conference play, they played against a handful of teams and blew past the number in, you know, really crazy fashion. They played Santa Clara, Pepperdine, Portland, 34 points over the closing total, 44 points, 19 points. Here come the Hogs, 28th in tempo. They're going to try to play that up and down game. And thank goodness, because the Zags are going to blow them off the court. I love over 155 here. And it's a lot more fun, to be honest with you. This could be a game where, 
you know, you may sweat the number in terms of the point spread, but for the over, I'm just rooting for buckets. I'm rooting for those transition looks, those wide open plays at the rim. Because really modern college basketball comes down to, are you making your threes? Are you scoring when you attack the 10? And both these teams can do it. Just from a betting perspective for those listening, Gonzaga out to two slow starts. Uh, We're toe-to-toe with Georgia State most of that first half and down against Memphis in the second game. You look at them, they haven't covered in four straight NCAA games going back to last year as a favorite. Again, when you're the number one overall seed, you got to deal with those big numbers. Do you feel like if there is a play in this game, Arkansas first half with the points and or any recommendation to take Arkansas with the points on the game or are you just touching the over? I agree with that look in terms of the first half, those first 20 minutes, because Arkansas, honestly, if they get in any kind of foul trouble, they don't really have the depth where Gonzaga can go off their bench and put in some meaningful players and play with their lineup a little bit. Specifically, when Timmy is on the floor, when Timmy's on the floor with Holmgren, they're two different kind of teams. So because of that, they can beat you inside, they can beat you outside, and really kind of, you know, that whole system that Few has built has been fluid. It's it's been able to, you know, not necessarily get bogged down with the three-point shot. So with that being said, I think Arkansas needs everything to go right, and when is it going to go right potentially in the early going of that game? So I like them both in the first 20 minutes plus the points, and also that race to 20 bet. I know that some people get into that a little bit. I think there's value there as well. All right, let's move on to the second game. Highly anticipated matchup. It, the lines moved a little. Right now, Michigan, what was a plus six, plus six and a half opening line, now moving down to plus five. Looking like people are leaning Michigan at the moment with the points, but they're going against Villanova. We know what Jay Wright and his well-coached squad can do in the last 2016-odd years. What's your takeaway on this one? So this is a game that I didn't have a strong play when I first looked at it, so I love to dust off the old double result. So if you go Michigan to lead at halftime and Nova to win the game, pays 6-1. to one. And it makes sense to me because when you look at like the last five or six games, Cernova slow starts in the Big East tournament against UConn, against Creighton, against even Delaware in round one, you know, the first 12 to 13 minutes, they couldn't get out of neutral. And the thing is, when Nova goes to the second half, 17th nationally in scoring margin, Michigan 144th. So in the second in the second 20 minutes, that really gets into coaching. There's another stat that comes from shotquality.com that gets into points per possession after a timeout. And I, I beat on this drum over and over again. In the tournament, you got more reviews of who touched the ball in the last five minutes. You get lots of timeouts. So you get those half-court possessions and you get coming out of timeouts. Michigan's offense, 124th nationally. Jay Wright coaching up the Wildcats, 35th defensively coming out of a timeout. So I think when you mix that in with Nova's foul shooting, which they're right on the cusp of finishing the greatest season in the history of college basketball from the charity stripe, I really like them to close it out. I just need Michigan to play a a strong first 20. And it comes down to Hunter Dickinson. This kid has just been absolutely on fire down the stretch. Almost 24 points, almost nine rebounds, three blocks per game in his last 10. And no Nova starter is over six foot eight. So I think he's going to eat early on. And once again, when you play the first 20 minutes, you're not as concerned with foul trouble as you may be for the game. So he's going to be on the floor. I like Michigan first half, Nova to win the game, six to one. Just want to throw a couple stats out of you in that game for those listening. So Michigan, as an underdog, 5-1 covering in their last six. Seems like when they're doubted or they're, they're 
basically backed up against the sports betting wall here. They rise to the occasion. They've also covered in four of their last six overall. Do you look at that couple with the Villanova doesn't really play the Big Ten well? They're one and four in their last five covering or not covering, I should say. Do you look at either of those elements when you go into this from a trends perspective or not so much? Not so much, to be honest. I, I do think, you know, Michigan's running hot right now, but they're so dependent on Hunter Dickinson. Where you look at the Nova side, yes, Colin Gillespie's played better as he's gotten healthy down the stretch, but they are a team that can share the basketball. They don't turn the ball over all that much. Depending on the, the given night, they can go to different players to get them 20 points and kind of lead the scoring. And because of that versatility and the experience that Jay Wright has, the deeper we go in the tournament, the more I like backing the teams with the experience and the better coaching. And honestly, Michigan has had some questionable coaching decisions and some questionable end of game situations before this tournament run. So I'll go ahead and take Nova and kind of push to the side some of those historical trends. Just from a betting strategy standpoint, if you're taking a six to one Michigan to win the first half, Nova to win the game, will you hedge if you like Nova to win the game and go Nova to win the half, win the game, or do you just play one out and let the strategy fall aside. On a previous podcast, my co-host went by Matt Unders and I was Mikey Hedges. And I do think <laughs> it's always valuable to hedge in a spot like that. There's going to be really good live numbers to be able to hedge out if Michigan's able to hold on in the first half. So I think being able to extract value from a six to one ticket, there's plenty of ways to do it. You don't want to leave yourself on the hook, potentially lose a unit for no reason. All right, I like it. Moving on to a highly anticipated matchup. Could be the game of the day. Texas Tech, right now, minus one on FanDuel, minus 118 on the money line, going against Coach K and Duke, coming off his 1,200th all-time win. We know Tech's an excellent cover, 22 and 14 on this season, but I'll let you dive in here. What is your takeaway on this virtually pick em game between the Red Raiders and the Blue Devils? It's a little bit surprising though this is close to a pick. Um, I think it really comes down to just name ID because, you know, Duke has played up and down this season. They're not super elite in any category where Texas Tech, number one in adjusted defense, according to shot quality, number one, Ken Palm's adjusted defense, 217th in pace, which think about it from in football terms. That's a great defense with a ball control offense where every single possession, every single play takes on added value because you're limiting the amount of possessions for the game. Texas Tech also number one in half court defense, 66 in transition defense. And that's really where Duke wants to hurt them. I just see this all kind of trending towards the Red Raiders. And really it comes down to it for my mind, when you look at their defense, Terrence Shannon Jr. is the guy who either puts them over the top or really hampers them. For the season, he's averaging close to 11 points per game, 46% from the field. But in games that they lose in which he's played in, that drops to just about seven and a half points and 38% shooting. So this is one of those live bet things that I like to track. If he starts really slow or if he looks off, I may go ahead and jump on the Blue Devils. But if he's locked in from the early going and can get into double digits for the Red Raiders, I think they're going to win this one pretty handily because they have the defense and the pace to put a vice grip on that you know, Duke offense that can go through spurts and get cold and kind of lose their identity a little bit. So I think if this was one of those blind taste tests and you didn't know that it was coach K and the blue devils against Texas tech, that everyone wrote off after Chris Beard left for the 40 acres, I think much more of the public money would be on Texas tech. And just food for thought when you have, Good offense versus good defense. Top eight Duke offense, 14th ranked in opponents points per game. Texas Tech defense. 
in these tournaments, do you lean better offense or do you lean better defense? I had, I had a sharp once tell me that the offense you always want to take, but this Texas Tech team is special and they're very good against teams above 600 winning percentage or 14 and three covering on the season. I am looking at how Tech's only three and seven on, a, on the road and or neutral Duke, Duke's nine and two. I'm leaning Duke, but I'm emotional about it. I just wanted to see if you could talk me in or out of that thought process of good offense versus good defense. Well, I would say that there's a difference between good and there's a difference between elite. I mean, in this case, everything, every advanced metric plays in the favor of Texas Tech. And they also do some nice work off of their defense, getting into transition and being very effective points per possession on those fast break transition opportunities. So it kind of feeds itself where they're not necessarily playing at a snail's pace the entire time. They are taking advantage of those long rebounds and runouts. Just in general, I, I really think this is um, kind of one of those least sexy opportunities. Like who wants to get in, in bed with a team that's going to win 64-61? Well, I certainly do because I, I want some money. I want to go ahead and win here. And it's a Duke team that just hasn't shown up consistently enough for me. And if the, the matchups were a little bit different, say they were playing Gonzaga again, I might be on a team like Duke in the Sweet 16 because I think they can get into a track meet and potentially have the shooters to, to go by an elite team. But in kind of this rock fight game that this is probably going to break out into, I just don't see them being tacticians in the half court to be able to get it done. All right, last game. This one's just as compelling. Houston against Arizona, the Cougars. They're plus one and a half going against the man, Benedict. This was fascinating to watch Arizona pull off. Everyone who was on TCU was losing their bad beat minds on that no call at the end at half court there. Cougars are excellent at covering the spread. I know it's a pick em game, but as an underdog, which they are, they're 12-3 and three in their last 15, how much are you looking into the Houston side versus the Wildcats side? So the Wildcats are new money. You know, Arizona hasn't been this good really, you know, in years and also hasn't justified a high national ranking and a high seed the way that they have in this tournament run thus far. Getting to the Sweet 16, I think people are jumping off the bandwagon a little prematurely. And I get it. Houston, eighth in half-court defense, 10th overall, according to Ken Palm. They've been doing it the same way for years under Sampson. They also want to slow it way, way down, 334th in adjusted pace. But they have some issues here, and it really starts with their size. If Josh Carlton, really their only legitimate big, only player over six foot seven in their starting lineup, if he gets in foul trouble, as he has been wont to do this year, they're going to have issues keeping Coloco, Tabellas, Balo off of the offensive glass. Additionally, when you dig a little bit deeper, though, into some of the numbers for Houston, yes, they put up these great stats, but they've played two teams a total of five times their top 50 in the AAC in terms of offense, Memphis and SMU. They went two and three straight up in those matchups. So I do think a team like Arizona that wants to play at a lightning pace, they want to really put the ball in the basket at, at a you know high tempo, high pace. I think they're going to be able to pull Houston out of the brand of basketball that they want to play. And I think the Cougars are going to find themselves in deep water if they're down five to 10 points early without a guy like Sasser in their starting lineup, which is real shame for, for Houston because if he was there, I think this team could be a co-favorite to win the national championship because they would have that balance. Not having that offensive firepower, if they do fall behind, I really think Arizona is going to be able to pull away. So I'm actually going to play this on the alternate line. Let's go ahead and tease that up to six and a half, seven, start to get two to one on your money. Because I think if Arizona is able to impose their will and play faster, it's going to be a runaway. 
All right, 84.6 points for per game. Zona, he's going with. I love it, Michael. Thank you so much for the Thursday breakdown. Phenomenal insight as always. And good luck to you. Appreciate it.